Hello, and welcome to Battery Bargains, a new series from the Batteries Included podcast where we match real people up with the right electric vehicle for their particular situation. This is episode number three. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic, and I am joined today by Martin Lee from the EV News Daily podcast, as well as Francie from the Out of Spec podcast, and Kyle Connor from Out of Spec Studios. Now, if you're looking for your own battery bargain, drop us a note with Find My EV in the subject line and tell us about your use case and budget, and we'll see about featuring your case on an upcoming episode. All right. Ready for this, guys? Thanks for joining Let's us, go. by the way, today. Francie, it's great to see you. Yeah. Um, all right. So... Let's kick this off with our first case. We're going to uh, paraphrase these emails just a bit. So longtime viewer Lori sent us an email and says they have a 21, 2021 Ford Mustang Mach-E and they are happy with that, but they want to replace Lori's ICE car for a Volvo EX30 in 2026. So they'll have one car with native CCS and one car with native uh, North American charging standard from Tesla or NACS. We are now in the market for a level two smart charger. We want to be able to schedule charging for both vehicles and adjust amperage so that we use slower charging to preserve battery life. We have a professionally installed new 60 amp NEMA 1450. We live in the lower Midwest, so winter, cold ice, snow, and summer heat elements are both a factor. We Our 3.24 kilowatt solar system uh, overproduces during midday and I could charge one car off of excess solar on the days it is at home while the other car can charge at night uh, during time of use plans lower rates I have narrowed choices down to the Tesla Universal home charger and the Emporium Empor, Emporia excuse me home charger with energy management and actually I, I cut this out of this part but she heard about this uh, on your podcast, Francie. She listened into that and got some good tips for there. Uh, so the Emporia unit will work with her and the, the Emporia unit will work with my end phase solar power system and allow me to use only the excess solar production to charge the car, thus guaranteeing free green energy to power the car. The Tesla unit will not work with my end phase system. In 2026, I think that I could then install a second Empora unit and it would join the first in load balancing, but I'm not certain of this. I don't know if the Tesla unit load balances at all. I also don't know if the Tesla units lets you adjust or lower the amperage at which you charge since Teslas do this in car. Adjusting the amperage is a must have feature. Is the time of use load balancing really worthwhile since I never produce more electricity than I use overall? Am I better off with Tesla, Tesla with built-in adapter? That's it. Thanks, hmm. Lori. Interesting. So, They're really planning ahead. 2026. Yes, 2026. Like, there's some which, planning going on here. Yeah, yeah, my immediate thought, which she ends up going into, is how uh, different things will be in terms of the energy that we're using in the grid even then. And she has the Emporia and the optimization there. So, But a lot of things will change by then. So I wonder, um, I mean, I guess they could make this decision now, but they could at least consider their options. And I think it is an interesting question of waiting for Nax, which seems to be the motivator there because there's Volvo's available now, right? Uh, uh, the X30 not, is not, not quite yet. Yeah, but why why twenty twenty six for EX thirty? Why not? I thought it launches in twenty twenty five, right? They may be waiting until they can get native NACs. Yeah, twenty twenty five's native NACs. 
Okay. And so, my gut feeling is Volvo is going to do everything possible to make that car launch with Nax. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Well, it's, well, it's in production in China, uh, and then they've got the Ghent facility as well, which will make them for Europe. Where they make them to export to the US, I don't know. Or maybe they make them in the US. I don't think they do. But uh, but there's certain things they can get around with those Chinese tariffs. Um, so I think the EX30 will come in at a decent price. Yeah, you're, you're planning a long way away. Like, I, I had solar installed two years ago, and I want to change my batteries, and that means I've got to change the inverter, which is about £800. I can sell the old one for 500 And I was talking about, to my mum about this at the weekend, and she's like, but... You've just put it in. And I'm like, it's technology, mum. It's two years old. Like, I need the new thing, so you've got to get the new thing. And I can sell the old thing. Uh, I'm really bad at selling old things. It'll go in the garage for a bit. But, uh, but uh, yeah, three. It's, so much is going to change, Laurie. I, I, I don't want to not give you advice on what you could do, but in three years' time, there's going to be some fascinating uh, tariffs, your home electricity tariff. Uh, there could be vehicle-to-grid with NACs. We don't know that. Um, there's so much that could happen. Yeah, there's some other thoughts here as well. I think the first she noted that you want to. There, there was a couple of reasons for adjusting the current. Uh, you know, basically most all the cars she talked about today have a 48 amp onboard charger, and um, you know she was like, I want to charge slower to preserve battery life. These big batteries on level two, it's not making much of a difference at all uh, between, you know, eight kilowatts or 11 kilowatts or four kilowatt charging. It's a big difference when you start talking about 200 kilowatt charging or 10 kilowatt charging. So I wouldn't lower the amperage to preserve the battery. If anything, you get a more efficient charge, um, you know, the faster you can AC charge it. Yeah, there's some heat loss, uh, with, of course, when you ramp up the current, but the pumps of the car have to run less, the, you know, communication computers, all the thought process in the car has to run less. So typically uh, that's why level one charging on an AC outlet is the least efficient uh, charge. Not only is the slowest, but you get the least efficiency. Uh, the thing is the reason to adjust charging current that I do sometimes is not so much to affect battery longevity from the charging process, but to ensure that the battery stays at a high state of charge for less amount of time. There, over many years, it can make a slight difference, but that's why all of the cars that you have or are talking about, you'll be able to set a charge limit on those vehicles, so not a big deal. The second thing, you're in between the Tesla universal wall connector, uh, which I assume she was thinking about the one that has J1772 and NAX in it, which, Francie, did you get yours, by the way? I sent one to you. How, really? No, yeah. I don't. I'll check. Oh, we got to You got to check because I sent it to you like two weeks ago. One of the okay. full all in one things. I'll double check. Yeah, because I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. Um, but that the the thing is, Tesla allows a functionality where when you're overproducing solar, you'll be able to uh, adjust the car's draw to max uh, to match that overproduction. And Dominic, you mentioned a three kilowatt solar system. Yes, yes. they have a 11 panel, 3.24 kilowatt solar setup. Is that 3.2 kilowatt per panel? No, it's, no, no. That's be like 200. Usually, it's two, around 200, 250 kilowatts or oh. watts per panel. So it's 11 panels, 3.24 kilowatts overall. Well, so you'd be just trickle charging the car. It is a trickle charge. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. trickle charge. So yeah, it's probably not. In my eyes, it's not even worth trying to do that. But it, in her situation, the Tesla solution will not work. It only works when you have a Tesla Powerwall with Tesla inverters with a Tesla car. Uh, it will not work on other cars. It's not the unit doing it. The Emporia, and there are other units on the market, uh, has found success for these types of solutions because the actual EVSE 
does take on the role of adjusting the current output to overproduction of solar. Again, this is still very early days technology. It works today. But if you're thinking, again, I don't know why you'd wait till 2026, just get some cars now. But if for whatever reason you have to wait until 2026, there's plenty of EVs on the market today. Um, and then you can switch into an EX30 when that comes out. But if you want to go for it, then um, I, I would wait. I think Martin's advice and Francie's advice of just, you know, wait to see how this all plays out. The Emporia system certainly works, but it, you can tell it's an early product. They're going to improve it. It is going to get better. We like those guys, local Colorado company. We've done a lot with the CEO. I know him as well. Great people. But I think even they would tell you, like, we're working on improvements. So why not just wait for those? Uh, I would urge you to get a battery, Laurie. If you have a small solar system like I've got, I've got you've got 11 panels, I've got 17 panels. Uh, I'm in a country where it's cloudy for 300 days of the year. I'm not exaggerating, and it still works really well. And so, but by having a properly connected home battery, Laurie, uh, and the prices are coming down, uh, what you'll be able to do is when your house has got no drawer on it, and then it's charging. It's trickle charging the battery all the time with a, your three kilowatt system on your roof. Then you got to make a coffee, and so you're going to pull three kilowatts for sixty seconds to boil some water or whatever. Then you might you, you might only be generating a kilowatt because it's a you know not, not a great day. You're going to pull a little bit from the battery, and then you're going to use that. And then when it's done, you're going to start topping up the bucket again. And it's it constantly does this. I don't wouldn't worry about using your car at the minute in terms of home energy storage. It's, inter it's an interesting conversation to have about vehicle to grid, vehicle to, to home, all these kind of things. But honestly, the car is going to be starting charging, stopping charging, starting charging, stopping charging. These mm -hmm. things all take several seconds. You're going to end up needing to pull from the grid to fill that buffer. If you have a really good home battery, you almost pull from the grid almost never. And then you've got your home and that sits separately. If you've got a, a smaller, a, a, you know, you've got a nice solar system, PV system, but it's not the biggest like mine. And then that almost sits separately. And then you have your cars. And we've got two EVs as well, same as you. Now, yeah, there are days in the summer when my battery's full. I'm generating maybe three and a half kilowatts because it's a nice day. And, you know, we've done all of our washing and things like that. Then, yeah, sure, I plug the car in and it, it trickle charges it. And some days you do add like 20, 30 miles, which is fantastic. But I wouldn't worry too much in your decision-making process, if you can budget for a home battery, if you do have PV, it makes, it honestly, it, it solves so many problems in terms of how you think about energy. Yeah, I would just add, I would just take y'all's advice, but also just add, just charge both cars at night to the time of use. So you can just stagger the, you know, the charging times, you know, charge, charge the, the Mustang first, maybe if you want to. And then if, you know that because you won't you won't need to charge more than I think two three hours each of those every night I think right so there should be plenty of time to get them both charged up to the levels that you need them to be. Why would you stagger them, Dom? Just so that you're not pulling, you know, all the power at, at one time. Just would that exceed your? I mean, there's no demand charges I'm, for domestic users, but would that exceed no, your panel charges, or something? Or but it just I don't know. I don't know. I just in my mind I would do it that way. Maybe yeah, I mean, you if, could you, do it if, if you haven't got a, as well, but if you haven't got a panel that can take two cars charging at flat chat then you might need to stagger it so we're or i mean we're set both like the way i have my house set one car plugs in gets full power two cars plug in they get half oh really mm -hmm. okay that's yeah. cool that would yeah. work yeah and then that's as one starts cool. to fill up or if one's cold or if it's a really slow charger then the other one gets the excess so they you do load balancing at home yeah it's all through tesla's wall connector amazing yeah okay well, that's that's pretty i mean that sounds like pretty much ideal really 
And yeah, and like like Kyle said, I wouldn't stress about the the amperage levels. You know, three forty eight amps, thirty six amps. I mean, DC charging, you're getting three hundred, five hundred amps. You know, these little changes is not going to make that big a difference. Enjoy your car, basically. Don't don't stress way more <laughs> than you need to. Just enjoy the experience and the ownership and yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the idea of of dialing back the EVSE for heat management to elongate the you know connections. We've been talking a lot about NEMA 1450 outlets, things like that. Um, just reducing heat in the system is great. Also, I've seen been seeing a lot of onboard chargers fail, especially in early EVs. Um, I always try and dial those down when I can, but not for battery longevity. It's all for other ancillary reasons. Right. All right. So let's uh, move on to another case. Our second case comes to us from Srini, and he's, he says, I'm currently in the market for a new luxury car to accommodate my family of four, including two adults and two children, ages uh, 14 and 9. Our daily travel distance covers around 40 miles, including commuting to the office, dropping the kids off at school, and various activities. We reside in Oviedo, part of the Orlando metro area in Florida. Our road trips typically take us to states such as Florida, South and West, Georgia, the Carolinas, Virginia, Texas, DC, and New Jersey. We have the option to install a 240 volt charging station in our home garage. Currently, we own a 2014 Honda Odyssey. Our kids are growing up. Uh, we're considering upgrading to a luxury SUV with a budget of 75,000 to 85,000. After some research, we've narrowed down our choices to four luxury SUVs. And they're not all, all electrics. Okay, so the first one, 2024 BMW iX xDrive 50. Number two, 2024 Volvo XC90 T8 Recharge. 2024 Mercedes GLE 450e, which Kyle just had recently on loan. And the 2024 BMW X5 xDrive 50e, which is another plug-in hybrid. So one all-electric, three plug-in hybrids. And that one all-electric is a CCS vehicle for now, but later next year, I guess it will charge on the uh, Tesla network for those long road trips. Because if you're going into, if you're road tripping into Texas, you're going to want to be able to charge on the Tesla network, I think, basically. Just to be, you know, because, you, yeah, you don't want to have show up at a charging station and with you know a couple of kids in the car and your wife and then it's not there's no way to charge right away you have to wait or there's whatever there's always there's issue reliability issues with the ccs networks at this time so anyway that's that's one thing so martin thoughts right off the top uh volvo ex90 is not on your list it is not and it should well if you're looking at the XC90 recharge that's that starts at seventy one thousand dollars and that can rise really quickly when you start looking at uh, the options list or specking that up a little bit. So I don't know how when you need it. You said twenty twenty four, so maybe that's a little bit too early then. So uh, yeah, I, I've talked myself out of that because you can't get the EX90 yet. But I wish you could if you like the Scandi stuff and you uh, that the inside of that is going to be gorgeous and the, the the two big screens inside it and yeah beautiful but okay so i just had, had a look at your email again it's 2024 model year oh. so hey. yep you can't have it Martin. yet hey sorry one second one, one little extra thing i forgot to mention uh they they intend to keep it for seven to ten years uh it would be helpful he says if you could rank these suvs in terms of which one i should consider as my first choice and our typical trips include drives to tampa around 300 miles round trip 
during the weekends for our kids' performances, weekend drives of about 100 miles, and once a year, long road trip drives of 2,000 miles, usually in July or December. Okay, mm. sorry. So you need the vehicle now. I'm torn between the GLE or the BMW iX. So do you want to go full electric or do you want a really interesting plug-in hybrid that will charge at 60 kilowatts and have uh, DC fast charging capabilities if you can handle getting stared at when you go to a DC fast charging station with your plug-in hybrid car? But it should be fine. Uh, we're all friends. so uh, uh, I don't think it'll be fine. I think people are going to get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but like the i, I mean, the iX isn't just next level gorgeous. Yeah, but think about it's it. It's a lot more expensive than the other ones too. It's up around eighty-five thousand dollars, the top of his budget. There's a few online that you can get some discounts for. You can you can uh, probably negotiate a little bit lower than MSRP right now on an iX. But here's my evaluation of this situation. The first is your longevity is of a major concern if you're keeping it for seven to 10 years. Mm -hmm. All of the vehicles that you have listed will result in extreme headaches later on in life. None of them come from a majorly reliable starting point. Uh, any German, Swedish, you name it, any complicated plug-in hybrid or very complicated battery electric German SUV is going to lead to longevity concerns. I think the safest option would be a Tesla Model X because it's a known quantity. They do last a really long time. The drivetrains are amazing. You're good to go. The iXs, maybe, I don't know. We just don't know. It's an unknown. My choice is if we forget the longevity conversation for a moment and we just stick within the bounds of what you're talking about. If you're a driving enthusiast and you want the car that's going to give you the best you know, combustion experience, electric experience, overall, I would say fun X5 all the way. I love the current generation BMW X5. I think it's one of the best SUVs on the market and notably better than the GLE. You are going to give up the, uh, the ability to set a charge limit like you can in the GLE. You're going to give up the ability to DC fast charge at 60 kilowatts. But if you're keeping it 10 years, you probably don't want to do that too often, um, especially for longevity. Mm -hmm. You get the inline six with the X5 and you get the crappy four cylinder with the GLE. So I don't think I could live with the four cylinder for that long in the GLE. I just think it's not a good engine. And considering they're going to be doing these 300 mile trips on the weekends, that engine is going to be used a lot of the time. The B58 that BMW puts in that X5 is bulletproof. It can handle so much abuse. It's a wonderful engine. And that to me would make the break. Uh, the XC90 is probably going to be the most family friendly because you have the third row. You've got Bowers and Wilkins big sound system, but it's the worst electric drivetrain of the bunch. Only a 3.6 kilowatt onboard charger. Um, the four-cylinder engine, I, I own that engine in my uh, Polestar 1. Um, I... I Try to be as gentle on it as I can because I think it'll be complicated. And then the iX, I just don't think is going to work. I don't think an EV works for this use case. They're driving 300 plus miles on the weekends. That's a 100% to you know 10% charge in the iX, which is going to stress the battery. They're going to have range stuff. And the chargers on the weekends in Florida suck. Like it's, you're just going to be clogged. So if you want to deal with pain for the first year until you get an adapter to use the supercharger network, sure. But I don't think you should base a 10 year buying decision off of a car that doesn't really even fit your needs today in the hopes that the infrastructure gets better. And so therefore my recommendation to sum it up is the BMW X5 50E. 
Hmm, interesting. What what did you get for uh, on your seventy mile an hour seventy mile an hour highway range test with the BMW iX? Uh, three hundred forty miles in the worst possible spec. Okay, but that's that's a hundred percent to ten percent. Right, but he's going to be he's going to be driving slower than that. Going to from Tampa to Orlando, it's 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 like sixty miles an hour there, I think, or seventy. Dude, I do hundred and fifty on that drive. That is wide open Florida toll roads it through is. there, isn't it? <laughs> he's got he's got children in the back. Yeah. Are we there yet? I, I, I think, I think Srini's a, a bit more conservative driving than you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. I just have a feeling. I, I just think it's not, I, I, Francie, I'd love to hear your opinion. I just mm. think that particular EV or really any EV that doesn't use the Tesla network today uh, isn't going to work for them today. I think that's an interesting consideration because I have some folks, I was surprised at the number of folks in my experience that went into buying an EV that maybe came with like a package with an EV network, EV charging network, and they didn't look into the infrastructure around them. So then they were like, well, I'm not getting the value that came along with this car. And it was also like, you didn't look if there were chargers in your state. So I think that's one really important thing to consider. You don't know, of course it's being built out, but you don't know exactly how it is being built out. There's only a couple things that we know in this industry, of course. But did I miss something? Why aren't they considering an, a Rivian R1S? Their range is 75 to 85. Uh, 75 to 85, yes. But highway range on the thing is really close. On the Rivian R1T, it's like 312 miles, isn't it? It would just be kind of a pain every weekend to have to stop at the same station during the busiest travel times. Yeah. So uh, Model X... Actually, Francie, do you want to finish? Do you want to rank these things? I no, I don't okay. want to rank them. I think that y'all have put in great input, and yeah, I think Model X isn't idea. a luxury car though. Model X is just a big computer. I mean, yeah. it, it it's depends a lot better the new ones. Yeah, but it depends what you want to feel like when you get in the car. Now, look, there are a bazillion early adopters of Teslas who, particularly uh, guys and girls who weren't car guys or car girls, but they love tech. And so they get inside a Tesla. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. They're like, this is brilliant. Look at all the tech. And then you get someone who has had a lifetime of BMWs, Mercedes, and Volvo XC90s that gets in it. And it's like, where's the rest of it? I've just spent 80 grand. Is this all I get? It's like, well, yeah. So it depends what kind of what kind of personality you are. I, I like that lean forward, experimenting with technology and the app and all those kind of things, you're going to get the best in class experience with Tesla. But if you want a luxury SUV, and I might have to fight Elon Musk for this, um, that's no Tesla ever sold can ever be described as, as luxury or even really premium. Um, you might get in it and be like, yeah, this is cool. Or you might get in it and think, this, this rattles and that's rubbish and that's there. But you're going to get the greatest drivetrain in EV world, the greatest tech, the greatest charging network, the greatest app, the greatest software. And the software. only car listed that's going to update and maybe get better over time. And, and, and in 10 years' time, it will probably still be fine. Because if you look at 10-year-old Model S's now, they're still actually, you know, get, get the refresh. Because I was never a fan of the little guppy face. But get the once they refresh the, the front of the Model S, that car still, I, I see them now and I think that's like, that still looks good. And they work. There was one fatal flaw on early Model S's and X's that's fixed now. It was an early motor design flaw. And so once that's fixed, there's nothing really that goes wrong with them. Little things here, but there's so many of them. They're known. The other cars, the plug-in hybrids, oh my goodness. Imagine trying to bring that to a repair shop in eight years to be like, okay, <laughs> try and fix this old X. They're just going to crush the car. Yeah. There's not enough of them where there's going to be specialty shops for all these things, unlike Tesla. But I do think uh, you do need to 
Martin, you make a great point. The Model X is not going to be premium enough for them. The iX is going to be the nicest driving option, but with very unknown reliability. Very unknown reliability. I have to make that clear. Um, for example, e-trons have an issue where they like the motors grenade themselves uh, <laughs> because there's a coolant leak. Same as like early Model S's. And this is BMW's first time using those motors in that drivetrain. They just haven't gotten old enough. They might be perfect forever. In 10 years, we might be saying, oh, IXs never have issues. Mm. Um, I just drove one, you know, for the last 3,000 miles I've been in an IX. It was perfect. No problems. But we're talking 10 years. So to rank them from my side, BMW X5, second Mercedes GLE, because both are going to give you the best electric experience. Then the XC90, because you're going to get a little bit worse electric experience but i think the xc90 is kind of the nicest choice it's the least pretentious and it's i love the xc90 i've always been a huge fan but it's been out since 2016 like it's an old car it's due for a refresh and um you know still very nice uh, but it'll work for what you need and then the ix last only because of those 300 mile trips is it every weekend that's just Not like every weekend i don't think but okay but, but it if it's like every weekend, weekend that's just like a lot of big, deep charges on the car all the time. That's going mm -hmm. to, it's not like the car is going to get more range as it, you know, lives on over 10 years. True, true. So, true. Yeah, that's why it's a shame the EX90 is not going to be on the list because you want this car too soon because the inside of the EX90 is feeling a little long in the tooth. Again, if you like your tech, whereas the EX90, you're going to get inside that and it's going to have LiDAR and it's going to have, uh, it's going to run on Android and it's just going to be really tech forward. And it just depends what kind of person you are. And if you could wait for the EX90, that's a couple of years away, isn't it? It's going to be at the right price for you. Um, what's probably the longest, around, what's the longest range luxury SUV? Lucid air gravity, or no, that would be two different vehicles. Lucid, Lucid gravity. gravity. <laughs> Lucid gravity. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be, but that's not out yet, and it's probably going to be above his budget, though. 85000 right? I don't yeah, know. I think Lucid have got to start coming in at lower price points to get people into the brand. They've just sure. launched their their uh, referral campaign as well, and they're doing, doing a Tesla, so to speak, because right. they just need to bring more people into the excitement around Lucid. The products mm -hmm. are, are very impressive in places, but there's just no buzz around them. Yeah. yeah, you know, missing the buzz, but wow, that car is incredible. What it can do. Yeah. So personally, I would say I like the BMW iX in this list of cars here the best. It would involve, I think, charging on those 300 mile trips at some point for, you know, not for very long, 15, 20 minutes. You yeah. Know? It's just a matter of if you have all weekend to do it, maybe it'll slot into your, your schedule somehow. Uh, the other cars, a little hard. Because I, I think the BMW X5, X Drive would be number two. I want to put the Volvo at number three, but then it's only got 32 miles of all electric range. Right. And, and the, here's the problem with the Volvo. It's not electric and all wheel drive. Not a big deal in Florida, but it's like a very slow electric experience, even though they have the new extended range one. Three kilowatt onboard charger sucks. And uh, like, I want to love the Volvo. I'm a Volvo mm. guy, but it's just not the best. It's old. Right. So, I w yeah, I would definitely put the uh, Mercedes ahead of that and then Volvo at the bottom. But really, also, I would consider the, the Volvo EX90, which is probably next year, I think it's coming, or the Polestar 4, which is a bit more even, but it's kind of the same as the EX90, basically, right? Well, there's a reason Tesla isn't on his list, but I think the Model X would be the safest choice from a longevity standpoint. Right. All right. So, I guess let's move on to our final case. And that would be uh, our, th our third one comes from Steven. My wife and I have a Volkswagen ID4 Pro S on a lease that ends in March. We love the car, 
but are mildly annoyed by the software. Can't get it updated here in the Bay Area until November 2024. Wait, Plus, that's a year and a month away. A year and, and two days away. It's just crazy. That's something like... They what? can't get it. Their dealers don't have space for another year it doesn't to make update sense. their car. Are you kidding me? Just drive it here to Colorado. We know our dealer. They'll get it updated. Right. Plus, we are interested in upcoming more compact SUVs with better tech, like the Volvo EX30. There is that car again. We have a reservation. And the Kia EV3, if it ever makes it to the US. Our main issue is a very limited budget. We can't afford more than $500 a month. It's also my first time leasing, so I'm not sure uh, what's the most economical thing to do next. So two questions. Should we A, pay off the ID4 and keep it? B, pay off the ID4 and sell it? C, end the lease and walk away? And then finally, two, if B or C, what should we get next? Well, just keep it for your lease at the moment. Right. Because... The thing is, the, the values have tanked on ID4s, on all cars. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing their residual value at the end of the lease is going to be um, significantly higher than what they would actually sell the car for. Oh, yeah. um, and it very, very rarely makes sense to buy out a lease and then sell it privately. This almost never happens. Uh, and in that case, you could always work with your dealer where maybe they can help you out and you know give you a bump, a trade-in in that sense. But it that almost never happens. And um, the only time we really ever saw it was during COVID when the car market went crazy. Uh, the best thing to do is just give that car back to Volkswagen whenever the lease is up mm -hmm. and say, thank you very much. And then you go out and you choose your car at that point. You know, the the $500 per month thing, uh, you know, the, that that's totally on how you structure a deal. Depends on how many miles you need, what the interest rates are at that particular time. I mean, we've seen Mercedes, I, I, I mean, EQS leases for like $799. Meanwhile, that should be a $2,400 a month car. So very often, leased pricing doesn't always have to do with a direct correlation to MSRP when manufacturers want to push cars or if they have a oversupply of vehicles on the lot. It very may, it might very well work out where when you when your lease is up on the ID4, they may say, hey, we got like 50 of these things sitting on the lot. We'll cut you a deal. Volkswagen's got a good program and it might just financially make sense to get another ID4 at that point. It doesn't seem like there's any car that sticks out to me that's worth swapping into right now to make a make a decision to move because it sounds like the lease is ending when Dominic March, March 2024. Yeah, that it will have so much more clarity as to what's going to happen at that point. And, um, you know, I, I would say EX30 sounds promising, but Volvo is going to have probably poor leases on that vehicle because there's going to be huge demand for EX30. So the best place to get a good lease deal is to find cars that people don't really know about that aren't selling that well, that are piling up on dealer lots and they're trying to move cars. And it means you may not be getting the hottest or the coolest car. The first car that comes to mind is the Mercedes EQB. It's compact, it's small, it's very expensive, but there might be some amazing lease deals because on paper, that car just doesn't cut it. Uh, and that means that, okay, well, on a lease, you might be able to work a deal on one of those. I think it depends on, again, as Kyle says, what's your mileage? What do you want to put down at the beginning? And, and how techy do you want to get because you can have uh, a, a really decent ev in your driveway for like 300 dollars a month if you want something like the nero ev or the kona ev it's 
to get a Mustang Mach-E select trim, it's going to be slightly over $500. But there's dealers that will be doing deals and things like that. Depends if you like if you are bothered about the software in your ID4, you're probably bothered about having the latest greatest. So because I would say if early next year, when the Bolt and the Bolt EUV are no longer in production as of the end of this year, dealers just want to get them off their lots if they haven't already. Uh, there's going to be some stellar deals on those EVs just to get rid of them. And there's no problems with the Bolt and the EUV anymore. The battery stuff is all sorted out. They learned their lessons. But it sounds to me like if you're bothered about getting software updates, you probably want the latest, greatest. Get Kia EV6 for $400 a month. I don't and think you can get them that cheap yeah. EV6s. Yeah, okay. But I found okay. the solution. Don't worry. Go on. Okay. Uh, you want the latest and greatest. You hate that you can't get an update. How about a car that gets an update every week? Uh, <laughs> I always sound like the Tesla guy because honestly, from a tech standpoint, they are the best. So uh, Model Y rear wheel drive, you can lease it for, uh, by the way, as Martin said, don't, uh, don't put any money down on a lease ever. It just does really? not make sense. Oh, okay. of course. Yeah, yeah. Taxes and fees out of pocket. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you put a couple grand down on them just to cover your taxes and fees. You're going to be just about $500 a month for a brand new Model Y rear wheel that's drive. The one. That, that's yep. the one. I, I agree on a rear wheel drive. That's the one. Yeah. yeah on, on the Model Y, they say $4,500 on, on the website. They say $4,500 down to $399 a month. Yeah. So just take the $4,500, hit zero. You're at $536. Yep. Ah, I see what you're doing. It's pretty okay. good. I would read the fine print in the lease um, because you... <laughs> We'll, we'll have an episode on that on the Out of Spec podcast, but the Tesla does not let you in that lease early. Um, and that's just something to consider. Uh, I mean, they've leased before, so they probably know that, but there's quite the penalty if you want to get out. But I don't think that really many people regret driving a Tesla. Yeah, Tesla leasing is weird because you can't buy it out at the end, which most people mm -hmm. never do, and you can't transfer it, nor can you end it early. Mm -hmm. You're locked into that contract. But Kyle makes a really good point about Tesla lease because, as we had on the earnings call last week, a little bit further back, actually, by the time you're watching this video, uh, they're at capacity and they're not going to make any significant changes, which kind of spooked the markets a little bit because they said, hey, we can make about 2.2 million cars, about a million out of Shanghai. It's gone up a little bit. And we've got uh, the S's and the X's coming out of Fremont and the threes and the Texas is going OK. And, and, te and so many Tesla oh, fans, investors and things, you know, are so used to the growth story. Tesla have kind of got to that point of supply and demand where they're like, well, we're kind of there for now. And so, yeah, Mexico is there, but we're a little bit worried about building a new factory just because the market is a little bit cooler. Over here, they're doing 0% on the Model 3. So that money's not free. Like 0% finance costs them money. Uh, and it's doing really low, like one point or two point something. Our interest rate is in the sixes and sevens at the minute over here in Europe. And, uh, and they're doing sort of 2% on the Model Y. Again, that's a cost to their business, even though you might not think of it that way. It, cheap money isn't free for them. And so by March next year, I just think that if the EV market doesn't pick up and without another shock to the system, I'm not sure it will. Although, yeah, the incentives change in January mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, that is it's no longer the tax credit the way it's, it's structured at the minute. But it's a really good point on Tesla. They are going to have supply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they also, want to get rid of their cars. Great points, Martin. And I do want to point to, of course, the tax incentives, right? But also they're in California, which has 
a lot of programs to help people. It seems like they're going low with their price point. So you might even be income qualified if you're under a certain amount. Well, they, they will subsidize a lease or a, a buying of an EV. So definitely look into the programs that you have around you because I know California and they have a lot of those. And, and we should also make it clear, leasing very rarely makes sense from an overall cost standpoint. It's just so you can get into another car every three years. You don't have to think about it, um, but you are not uh, typically you're not winning by leasing financially. Right. So here's one one other option. Buy a used car. If, but he wants the latest tech. He wants the latest Ionic 5. Is that no, that enough? is like the worst tech. That is like really? the worst software and everything. Oh, it's awful. They can get a used Tesla. I know someone who I know someone who hates Tesla. Drove a Tesla just because they wanted the tech. Friend right. of mine got an Ionic Six, ready to throw it in the trash can because it keeps breaking and it's all you know all these weird updates and the car won't lock half the time and it just is driving him insane. I know I love the car. EGMP is amazing, fastest charging performance, great efficiency. Now we're starting to see better software in terms of battery preconditioning, but you have to go to the dealer for that. And in the Bay Area, that's like just don't get a car. You have to go to a dealer to software update. And it uh, it's one of those things that it's like okay, they built great hardware, but not great software to integrate it. The best software car companies out there are Tesla, Rivian, and the Chinese. How about and you're not getting a Rivian for five hundred bucks a month. No. Yeah, no, I think the Model Y is really kind of like the deal. But he didn't mention Tesla in his email at all, so it kind of makes me wonder. And he went out of his way to get an ID4 instead of a Tesla. We see this often where people don't want to drive Tesla for one polarizing reason or another. We can't blame them for that at all. I totally get it. But if you want the better software experience, just drive a Tesla. Yeah, if you if it's if you are bothered, if you've been triggered by the software in the ID four, and I would be as well if I'd if I'd like, oh, there's a new software update for this. Let's let's get it added. And I was told oh, you can't do that yet. Yeah, I'd be no, you can have this car back. And and I think what's interesting about that point, Kyle, is that Elon Musk is increasingly running Twitter X, and he is not so intrinsically linked with Tesla anymore. You go back before the Twitter purchase, and he was tweeting every day about Tesla. And he was the figurehead of the company. Uh, he, he was Tesla, and Tesla was him. And so many people drove the cars because they loved Elon Musk, and they wore it as a badge of honor. And then he went a little bit weird and freaky. Well, he's always been a, bit, a little bit weird and freaky, doing some slightly debatable things. But, um, uh, the, but then, with, with the social media purchase, he has certainly... Uh, become more of a political figure, which has turned people off. But on the flip side to that, he's also much less, I think, associated with Tesla on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, we see the supercharger announcement, the Nax announcements. It's always Re Rebecca Tanucci's getting the, the quotes in the press releases. You see the latest Tesla events. They have like 20 stools on stage, like some giant boy band. And uh, you know what? He's less, I would worry less and less about that. There'll be a day when he's not involved with Tesla and you won't have to have your friends who might not like him being like, oh, you own a Tesla, you know, like Elon Musk. It's like, I wouldn't worry about it. So he's doing his thing now. I think he's less and less connected on, on that sort of, that level of people feeling shame about. I, I'm not sure it ever existed. And, but. and even if you do, like there's people who do feel that way, but for whatever reason, they just don't want to drive a Tesla because of maybe something Tesla did or you, who knows, there's millions of reasons. Mm -hmm. There's just very, very few cars on the market today, regardless, that get software right. And that's the problem. Very, very few get software right. So again, leasing, 
not always the best financial situation. We very rarely suggest leasing on this podcast uh, unless when absolutely necessary. Sounds like you're already into the leasing world. Um, and again, you buy a Model Y, it's going to get updates all the time and you're going to have the latest uh, tech tech that's in the auto market. I think there's really no way around it. Here's here's a, my suggestion. If you don't want to get the Tesla, get the new 2024 VW ID4 with the new AP550 motors on the rear wheel drive on the back. So you get all the power of the, of the dual motor ID4 with just in just real real wheel drive with a lower price and great uh, turning radius up front uh, and, and the new software and uh, a few new hardware bits here and there, right? Yep. That makes like... That new it, software it, it, in Volkswagen so much better, but so the they have not is, proven, they still have not proven that they're going to keep up with over-the-air updates. Sure. Uh, that, that is one thing. Definitely keep that in mind. But just the prices right now are kind of crazy on VW ID4s, and then maybe they'll go up with the 2024s. I don't know, but I can looking on uh, on cars.com here, not sponsored. Um $36,000, like $9,000 price drops. So if if that kind of situation extends into, into 2024 into by March, I would definitely at least look at that. Since you like the car already, you're pretty familiar with it. See if you like the new one that much better or, or test, you know, take go for a drive in the Model Y and see what you think about that. There's a great website called leasehacker.com. I go on it frequently. And uh, there's some pre-negotiated lease deals that kind of work blanketly. So you can get EQB 300 for 465 a month in California, Q4 e-tron 506 a month, uh, Mach-E, someone signed a deal, Mach-E Premium for 493 a month, Nissan That's Aria. That's really good. Yeah, Nissan Aria 326 a month. But again, Ooh, so and they have five bad. left. So they have 2,500 down do it signing. So that's not even just down that, but plus 799 service fee. Okay. So like $3,500 down 326 a month at a Nissan dealer in Arizona. Uh, so yeah, there's like a bunch of those and that's where I, where it starts to make sense where you find these, I would say subpar EVs or EVs that don't necessarily capture the market. That's when the lease deals start to make sense. Cause you can get them pretty cheap. Yep, but he wants a compact SUV with like better tech, right? So I'm not yeah, sure. So if the, Aria there's only quite one. That. There's only one on the market. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So I think that gives you it gives them somewhat of a, of a range of choices, you know, options to go with there. I guess then, right? Francie, you're into tech. Would you go for a Model Y or something else? Yeah, I'd go for a Model Y. I think yeah, it's a great software. It's like you said, it's often updated. Um, I think there's a lot of fixes and improvements that can be made with the over there updates and Tesla obviously has the confidence to do that as well, which I haven't seen as confident with other automakers uh, with some of their fixes, even if it is a software update, you might have to bring it in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. Tesla is polarizing and they have a pretty good offering. What's your budget when you, cause you want to get an EV at some point. Mm -hmm. oh, What's your budget? I'd love to keep it low. Um, I mean, $500 a month and below sounds great to me. Uh, I, I've moved to like a cheaper place in general. So that's nice. Like an area in the United States that's cheaper than Colorado. And I'd like to save money. So I'd like to keep it low. Um, yeah. And make sure that I am like, if I'm paying a monthly payment, I'm putting equity into something that hopefully will maintain some of its value at least, or at least really 
last for a while and mm. uh, give me exactly what I want out of an EV because with you know my ICE Subaru, I've loved it and it's so reliable. Had had nothing go wrong with that car, and to have that kind of parallel with an EV would be ideal, obviously. Well, should we choose your car now? Or should we invite you we back for We should have a whole one we, just dedicated to me. We could, we, could we could do a whole episode dedicated to you because you're worth it. So. Thanks, Dominic. <laughs> and we should live stream it and the viewers can chip in as well. That would be fun. All right. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be great, actually. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll end this show. That sounds good? Sounds Rebo done. great. All right. So like I said, that brings us to the end of this show. If you liked the show, please give us a thumbs up. Click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications so you don't want to miss any of our mid midweek shows. we got a bunch coming up now. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us, and we'll see you all again very soon. Ciao.